Welcome back to All About Bikes presented by Pivot Cycles. In this episode, Chris Kokalis and the professional pivot rider Taylor Ledeen walk you through the all-new Mark IV SL. They touch on all the updates, tech specs and features of this gravity-defying cross-country rocket ship. This is a previously recorded episode from when we launched this bike in May 2019. We wanted to upload this episode for all our new listeners on this podcast. The Mac 4SL is designed to let the World Cup level athletes capitalize on every inch of the increasingly technical courses and generate speed where others hesitate. So let's jump in and learn about the newest version of the Mac 4SL. Hi, I'm Chris Kokalis with Pivot Cycles, and this is Taylor Ledeen. Taylor's been racing for us for at least five years since... Since 2013, yeah. Yeah, um, and Taylor's uh, been an enduro racer for us, and now an uh, ultra-marathoner, I guess, as you'd put it. <laughs> yep. Um, Taylor uh, holds the 24-hour uh, record of 24 hours of Old Pueblo. Um, most laps in 24 hours. How many laps did you do on that? Uh, 20 laps. 20 laps. Yep. It's about yep. a 17 mile race course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty good. It was good, yeah. yeah. It was fun. Got to ride with him on his uh, last <laughs> final lap. Saw the I struggle. Could, yeah, I yeah. did. I was still feeling it too, though. <laughs> uh, I think you still got me on the last climb. And then uh, 24 hour worlds last year. That was for your first ever 24 hour worlds. Yeah, How yeah. Did you do that? First year in Elite. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get second there. It's uh, awesome. Yeah. Training for this year's worlds. And yep. So, uh, Taylor has probably put more miles on the existing 429 SL than just about anybody on the planet. And he's been able to, um, almost from the very beginning, we've had you on a, the aluminum prototypes of the Mach 4 SL and then onto the carbon. And you've tested everything from a manual shock where you flip the lever on your own, a, a handlebar mounted lockout, yep. and then uh, some development of the live system as yep. well. Right onto the live, yeah. Um, blown away with how good the live is. Uh, yeah. The thing I noticed right away was, uh, I think we're talking today, is is like water bar descents. Instead of really kind of like focusing on locking it out when you're climbing and then opening it back up, it just does the work for you. So yeah, it's a, uh, the Mach 4 SL was really designed from the get-go to have live integration. And mm -hmm. we've got basically three levels of builds on. We have our race build, our pro build, and our team builds, and our, and then we actually have a World Cup build as well. Yep. Um, the the race build comes with a shock where uh, the levers up, and you can reach down and, and manually uh, change from the settings. The the standard pro and uh, and some of the team and World Cup builds have all have a handlebar mounted lockout, yep. which works really well. We did a lot of development on the testing of that. Did a lot of testing on that, and I I enjoyed that, but. Um... I think there, there, there's something for everybody at that point. Um, when you go on the live, it just kind of eliminates that guesswork yeah. of making adjustments on the fly. So it's it's nice to have that, be able to have that firm lockout at times, but knowing when to switch it back and forth, there's a lot of missed opportunities because you you might, oh, it's not, it's just not worth it on that short climb to pop it in the firm exactly. or to open it up. Yeah. And the cool thing about the live is if you're just, you're riding a World Cup XC bike. When it needs to be a when World it, Cup XC bike. Yeah. But when it needs to go downhill quick, it opens up and it feels just like yeah. that. Or even if you just hit something yeah. when you're going uphill quick that you need it to open up for as well. It is truly amazing. It really is. Yeah, so obviously there's different price levels to all of this, but when you get to the live stuff, 
um, the, this is one area where the price is definitely worth the performance, especially for an endurance racer, an XC World Cup racer, uh, even a recreational cyclist that just wants the widest range of use because it does, depending on, there's five settings and uh, most of us are running it right in the middle at number three. Yep. Um, and that gives you this ultra like firm setting, like you've got the shock locked out and then... And just the it, tunability on the fly. Yeah. Um, with the five settings, depending on the course you're, you're either riding, pre-riding, or racing, you can just make those adjustments prior to the race, or if you're just going there to ride, set it and forget it. Um, super reliable. I, I just, I've loved it so far. So by the time this video is seen and we launch this bike, you'll have raced this in the uh, Grand Junction off-road where we're launching the bike. Yep. And, uh, and putting some real miles on it, and then you'll be taking the live version to 24-hour worlds. To, to Brazil, yeah. And I think to launch this thing at, at, at an event like Grand Junction with a course like that that has everything, um, kind of mimic South Mountain a little bit, you're really going to put the Fox Live to the test. Um, and people that are already on Fox Live are really going to realize the capabilities of it. Yeah. So, but we have everything. Some we have something for everybody. So, um, the manual lockout works great. It's about a half pound lighter. Yep. Um, this gives you everything you would ever want in descending and and pedaling performance. And then, uh, if you're a little bit more on budget, the 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 manually operated race kit gets you into World Cup level platform. Um, at a, at a slightly uh, more budget-friendly price. Absolutely. So what else do you like about the bike? Oh, the, the thing that I noticed right away was the steeper seat tube angle. Um, just jumping on it, the pedaling efficiency, obviously with the DW link, that paired with Fox Live. Um, climbing it is just unreal. Um, it doesn't take away the, the descending capabilities. Um, climbing is like a rocket ship just going uphill. So you touched on a couple of things there, the seat angle, seat angle 74 degrees on this bike that's quite a bit steeper than some of our other cross-country bikes. Yep. Of course, once you s set into sag, it's, it's in a, just a perfect position for XC racing. Um, just the geometry in general on the bike, reaches are longer, they're actually, uh, reach numbers are identical to the Trail 429, mm -hmm. and then compared to the 429 SL, chain stays are quite, quite a bit shorter on the bike. So That snappy feel. The snappy feel, it tucks it all in, It's but at the same time, because we've lengthened the front end more with the longer reach, this helps keep the wheelbase in check. So you've got a bike that um, that definitely still has that cross-country quickness, yep. but it really pays dividends on the descents. The uh, the 429 SL was a great descender, yeah, um, but it achieved it through a, with a steeper head angle, a slacker seat angle, and a much longer chain stay. So, this is really, a lot of ways, a very, very different different bike. And then also 68.5 degree head angle. So that, That's something I think people are gonna notice right away too. Um, as if the old one didn't go downhill quick enough, this one just goes faster. Um, that paired with the seat tube angle. Um, this, you notice a 68.5 degree head angle right away. Yeah, and we played around with different head angles and uh, um, I know that's it's considered kind of new school cross country, yeah, yeah. but really it's a number where even if it's a tight race course and stuff, it's it's nothing that's going to hold you back. There's not a corner that you're not going to be able to get into because no. the head angle is too slack. Too slack, yeah. It it handles everything yeah. very well. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, the weight of the bike too. 
incredibly light. You notice that right when you pick it up. Um, and with all the builds that are available, you can get this thing down to just featherweights. Um, like, yeah. What did you say you can get it down to? The World Cup build is um, just under 21 pounds. So uh, that comes that the that's the XTR World Cup build. Mm -hmm. um, so that comes without the dropper uh, and a couple lighter parts on it, but yep. it's basically the same as the rest of the builds. It's just all the all the extras have been slimmed out of it. It's the manual uh, lockout on the shock. Yep. We also have it in the world uh, the World Cup build in a live version if somebody wants it. But if they want the lightest bike possible, they can build something at or below 21 pounds. Um, and there's even things on that bike where we just didn't go crazy. And if somebody's a super weight weenie, they they can go to town and yeah, you can get wild with it. Yeah, hollow water bottle bolts or whatever yeah. you want to run on the bike. But there's definitely additional weight that can be shaved out of that. So Chris, speaking of weight on the Mach 4 SL, how did you get it so feather light? Well, it was a big project from the very beginning. You know, you've been on pretty much every generation of the 429 SL, and with that bike, uh, it's got pretty monstrous tubes, right on par with some of our bigger trail bikes. So as we moved through generation of generation of that bike, a lot of the weight savings came from higher modulus materials, basically more expensive materials. And certainly we brought all of that forward into the Mach 4 SL. But the other thing we did was really a, a optimized study on the cross sections of the tubes. Bigger tubes mean more carbon. So at some point, it doesn't really matter what kind of carbon you put in it, there's only so much weight you can take out of the bike. And also, high modulus materials tend to be stiffer. So we put too much of that in there, um, and you start to lose feel from the frame. But with this, we wanted to get that balance. We have stiffness numbers for the front end of the bike, for the back end of the bike, for the bottom bracket that we want to achieve with the Mach 4 SL. Um, and with the high mod materials, the, the different diameter tubes on this, um, and just the whole structure with the frame design, the double uprights, a little bit higher chain stays on the bike because we're no longer having to clear a front derailleur. There's a lot of things going on on the design that allowed us to really optimize the weight. Even the bearing pockets here, which are usually in a molded aluminum part, are now full, full carbon. carbon. So yeah. there's, other than little thread inserts for water bottle bolts, there's almost no aluminum on this frame. It's actually pretty amazing. And we were able to get the frame weight down below five pounds of small frames, like 4.9 pounds with really? shock. Um, it's, uh, it's three quarters of a pound lighter than the, the 429 SL. That's over 300 grams. So it's yeah. a pretty big weight saving. Big difference so. just in the frame, yeah. Um, the one thing I think people are going to be curious about is the orientation of the shock. Yes, it's quite a departure. Yeah. In some ways it's a departure, in some ways it's not. Yep. Um, for those more familiar with our longer travel gravity bikes, when we launched the original Phoenix, it had the shock in that orientation. The and then also the original Firebird, yep. uh, which I know your dad is still running and a yep. big fan of with his Hammerschmidt. Yeah. throw that in there. Um, so, yeah, this... This was really also driven by both weight and packaging of the bike. So we're looking at a bike now where we want to optimize everything. And when we have shock tabs on the top tube, uh, it somewhat determines standover height and how compact we can make the frame because obviously on a cross-country bike, water bottle clearance is a huge deal. Super cool. Um, and you know, with this bike too, there's been a trend towards smaller and smaller riders wanting to be on a 29er. And so if we were going to build a small 29er, 
we wanted it to check all the boxes and make sure it could fit the same live system, the box, full-size water bottle. You can see that, that frame over there. It was really, uh, Chloe Woodruff, you know, helped us develop yep. that, and you were with her for the last couple of days um, shooting the video for the launch of this bike, and it's... Uh, I mean, even, it, even looking at her bike with the, the live battery, but she can run a full-size water bottle in there, not yeah. have to even think about it. Or work and then the extra-large bike behind you there can run two water bottles. So yeah. um, not only does it take pieces, molded parts off the top tube um, and really shrink everything down, it's literally the same linkage oriented in a different way. So the rates, nothing changes. It, uh, it's, it's not so different from the, the previous um Mach 429 SL and the general suspension action and the way the DW link works but everything's just been packaged tighter it's down lower on the frame everything just handles better and makes things more compact and lighter so it allows us to fit all of that stuff in. so riders are still going to get the benefit and pedal efficiency of the DW link right away absolutely so whether you're running live or the or the race level with the the rocker mounted lockout or the handlebar lockout actually having to reach down and or or hit the lockout it because it's a dw link it still pedals super efficiently and yep. you, you don't need it but when you get to stuff like the live um and or you're on a world cup course or a long long ascent where you're on a smooth road or something um having having that versatility at the top levels of racing is a big deal but still first and foremost whether the system's turned on whether your shocks are open yep. it's got to pedal like a pivot and, and and have the performance of the dw link absolutely so this continues also to have that same pivots kind of iteration as we like to have a fully active braking feel out of the bike um, that so that you can charge harder into braking bumps and corners and and still have the back end of the bike hooked up basically in that those areas you shouldn't notice a big difference or really any difference any between difference, yeah. uh the good things about the previous generation of the 429 sl um, and then things like the bottom bracket stiffness and the rear triangle stiffness even though the tubes are smaller this bike is stiffer yeah yeah <laughs> i noticed that uh, especially not not just stiffness but acceleration uh, with those shorter chain stays yeah out, we, out of corners too much stiffness is not a it's not a good thing and things can chatter and stuff but yeah the right amount of stiffness and driving it in the key areas where your power gets down but you still have a good feel out of the bike yep. and in the proper amount of chassis flex those are a, things that we spent a lot of time on on this yeah. bike yeah and you can tell right when you ride it <laughs> so it's uh yeah it's it's meant to be really the next generation pivot. So. It's exciting. It's super exciting. All right, Chris. So with the Spectrum sizes we have here, obviously the tubes look a little bit different on, on every size that we have here. Tell, tell, me, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so when you look at the large or medium frames, you'll see uh, you, the shapes and sizes we have here. And then the extra large over there has a bit bigger diameter tubes. And of course, the extra small frame is really like thin top tube everything's just shrunken down a little bit more and when we were talking about tuning the bike for the for the rider that goes further to the size of the rider and the length of the reach on the bike so there is such thing as too stiff a bike so when we we have to build a bike that's balanced and when if we use the same size tubes and the same layup on the extra small bike as we did on do on the extra large you'd uh 
you'd have one bike in the middle that probably rode well and then at opposite end of the spectrum the tall big guys just wouldn't get the power down the way they need to and the extra small rider would be getting beat up so um, not only size specific layups but also size specific tubing as well and we're, we're really covering a wide spectrum of riders so you're, you can get down to four foot ten on the extra small and that um, in most of the places on the top tube, that bike has a lower standover clearance than our 27.5 Mach 4. And then on the other end of the spectrum, six foot seven uh, or taller because of the longer reaches, there's really a wide range of riders that it can fit. Seat tubes are all a little bit shorter as well, and they're very straight, so dropper posts are not a problem. In fact, if it's a little odd on XC, but you're seeing more and more of it of people running even longer and longer droppers on XC. So if you're a tall guy, and you want to put a 170 millimeter dropper in there or go longer, yeah, go for it. It's going to fit it. So yeah. it's pretty awesome. cool. So when I was riding with Chloe over the weekend, I noticed she had a 32 mil fork on her bike and I was running a 34. Tell us how you can run different forks on this bike. Yeah, so the bike is designed for a 100 to 120 millimeter travel fork and the World Cup builds and our stock builds come with the 100 millimeter travel fork. That's one of the areas where we're we're taking weight out of the out of the bike. The new 32 millimeter fork, uh, 2020 fork, has a beefier crown, so it's closer in stiffness, um, but it's still only at 100 millimeters. So if you, again, pure cross country racer, you want to take every gram out of that bike, that forks the ticket. But for everybody else, yourself included, that yeah. likes that's pushing a little bit harder and uh, doing longer events or using your bike for everything from cross country to light trail bike use the 34 definitely kind of ups the performance level a little bit bigger stanchions minor weight gain but as you as you know it's you, you've run both forks it's yeah the fun factors there on the yeah. 34 uh the fast factors there on the 32. yeah so so, so but, there's really a spectrum for for everything yeah here. you seem to go pretty fast on that <laughs> 34 as well it doesn't seem to be a problem for you yeah it's a good set uh, it's a good setup with the 34 i personally like it that way yeah um, and that's why we spec it across a wider range of bikes because it really does work best for a wider range of riders yeah so it's but then, something for everybody. but then we have the 32 as well for those who want that so chris when i was building this bike and specking out cranks and wheel sets for it i was sure it was going to be super boost it's obviously not yeah Tell it's obviously not so People, a lot of people ask, why, why don't we have Superboost or why are we using Superboost on certain things? And we really reserve Superboost where we're trying to get maximum tire clearance in a short chainstay package and in the combination of longer travel. We're talking about cross-country bikes. Although Superboost can get to the lowest Q factors, 168 is what most companies run. Some of the new Shimano XTR cranks, they actually offer a slightly lower Q-factor crank and there's racers that like the lower Q-factor. And obviously a little bit wider spindle or a little bit wider Q-factor, a little bit wider axle, all of those things add a little bit of extra weight. And so there's a balance again where if we're trying to build the best enduro bike or park bike, uh, whatever the case may be on those longer travel products or fit plus tires, which this is not designed yeah. to fit plus tires. It's really optimized for 29er cross country tires up to about 235, yep. 24 at the max. Um, we don't 
we don't need to go wider and bigger everywhere. We've got lots of tire clearance. Plenty of tire clearance. We fit everything in in that tight package and we're able to achieve the stiffness goals that we want. So uh, for those who love it, sorry, no super boost on those this bike, but it does make it a little easier for the cross country racer to tune in their parts spec and, and get everything that they need for this bike. Good, so. good. Awesome. Well, Taylor, thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to get out on the trails with this thing. Yeah, it was fun to ride with you this morning as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you kick ass all year long Absolutely. on this bike. Thanks, Chris. All right.